You might like to turn in your Bible, if you would, as we open our print meeting to Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29. And in our study of Jeremiah, Nebuchadnezzar, remember, is not very far away from coming and leveling the city and uh, destroying the temple. And God has already told them uh, that they needed to go to Babylon and be spared, but a great number of them don't heed that warning. And therefore, they're there, and they're doing what they have been doing for all these years, uh, and they go in the temple, and the temple is theirs. Uh, They have taken over the temple, as it were, and the enjoying of the privilege of going in and out of it, uh, and they have their their building for their purposes, for their worship. Uh, that's what they do. So they have it, and uh, they there's no room for God. Uh, God isn't in it at all. Uh, they don't have God. God is excluded from His own temple, and therefore they do what they do, the way they do it, the way they did it. Now, having said that. And we share together in at chapter 29 as God uh, as, is correcting, uh, Jeremiah is correcting uh, on behalf of God, uh, their understanding that the Babylon and uh, Nebuchadnezzar are all going to return the captives, going to return all the stuff they took from the temple uh, in shortly in a couple of years. And that is not true. And God corrects that. Now, and so in the correction, as we shared all of that, we come to verse, 14, uh, verse 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, and the thoughts, and, and saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end, a hope, and an end, a wonderful expectation that you should have about your future. Now, having said that, that's about their future, but where they are is not, they're not looking to God at all. And if you go over to chapter 29 and verse 7, 29 and verse 7, you will note, uh, in, and, seek, and seek, the, seek the peace of the city, that's Babylon, whether you have been caused, where I have caused you to be carried away captive, and pray unto the Lord, for it is for in, for, for, for in the peace thereof shall you, you, shall you have peace. So you're praying for the pagan city to be peaceful and, and uh, good to the captives that are Israel, the Jewish people that are there. And, the, and they're to pray, they're to pray that God would be kind. Nebuchadnezzar would be kind to them. And he was in one way. And so in the process, that's what they pray. They could pray to God to protect them. Now that's out there. In Jerusalem, they aren't doing that. In Babylon, the ones that are there, they realize that uh, they're in jeopardy all the time as captives. And therefore, they ought to look to God and uh, have him give peace to the city of Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians so that things are going to go better for them. And uh, that's an incentive for them to pray. 
Now, back over to chapter, in chapter 29 and in verse 11. Now, God has all these wonderful thoughts that he has for them and in what he does. And then the thoughts that he has uh, in picking up, please, in verse 12. Then, when, when you, you're going to pray in the future, then shall, thou be call, then shall you call upon me, and I will go and pray and, and go. You shall, you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. So it isn't now, it isn't going to be then, but in the future, they're going to do that. And it's going to take the future before they do it. But God has wonderful expectation for them that in the process of all the trial and tribulation uh, that they will awaken. Now, having said that, so, and we said together, shared together in verse 12, uh, then you should call upon me and you should go, come in my direction, and you're going to pray. And the word prayer is to fall down. It's causative, to cause oneself. Person does it. It, you have to want to do it that way, reflexive. You have to want to bow down, cast down, cast yourself down, bow down to the ground. That's what you want to do. And at that time, you're going to bow yourself down to me. Now, hang on to that thought just for a second, and let me give you a couple of thoughts that may balance that. In in Babylon, they aren't. They should do it, but boy, don't count on it. They certainly didn't do it in Jerusalem. And, and and remember the temple standing still at this point. There's no prayer. And uh, so in the process, uh, they ought to pray in the city of Babylon. Now, hold your finger here and go over, if you would, all the way to the end of your Bible, to Revelation and uh, chapter, uh, chapter 1. In Revelation, in chapter 1, and you will note, please, if I can, here's the Apostle John is, is going to bring the message to the seven churches, and he's going to bring that message based on the Lord's communicating him what to say. So, in the process, he's, God is dealing with his heart, and you read the awesome description of the resurrected Christ in verse 13, 14, 15, 16. And it's an awesome, awesome. John is awesomely moved. Now, now hang on. Now go, if you can, to verse 17. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Now remember, God says to the Israelites, when you go, when, you, when the time comes, you're going to cast yourself down to the ground and pray. That's what prayer is. You're going to cross yourself down and bow down. Back over to verse 17. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first, and I am the last. Verse 18. I am he that liveth and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell, or Hades, Sheol, and of death. I hold, I'm in charge of 
the whole ball, whole everything, I'm in charge. And he puts his hand on John, and John is uh, comforted. <laughs> now, now one other place, that, that's John. He's going to give the, God's going to deliver, uh, give to him the, the 21 chapters, 22 chapters of Revelation. Over, if you would please, to chapter 4. Oh, to chapter 5, for time's sake. Revelation chapter 5, this is in heaven now. I'm interested in heaven, in the light of what we're looking at. So now, chapter 5 and verse 13. And every creature which is in heaven, and on earth, and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, heard I saying, Blessing, and honor, and glory, and power, Unto him that sitteth upon the throne, the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world, and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen, and the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. So, interesting, John is moved to fall down, and God comforts him by putting his hand on his, on his shoulder, as it were, and... Uh, and uh, telling him, be of good cheer, I am he that liveth and was dead. I am who I am. And now in heaven, in heaven, uh, what do they do? They, they, God, you have to be awesome, awesome. And he is. And you fall down to worship him. But in that case, in, in Revelation chapter 4, 5, uh, that's different. That's an awesome thing. And it's going to take that. God is going to be awesomely awesome. Now, back over. Back over if I can. I got that a little bit. So that's what they're going to do. They're going to pray and, and look to God in that day when tribute, in the 70 years are going to finish, they're going to go. And remember when the 70 years are finished, what's going to happen? Uh, they're going to be given under Zerubbabel. They're going to go back and build the temple. And they're going to build the temple. And when they build the temple, what do you know now? Something's missing all the way from now on. It's missing. And what is that? Well, when they build, when Moses finished the temple, Exodus chapter 40, what, how did God mock it? He filled it with his glory. When Solomon dedicated 1 Kings chapter 8, we shan't, when Solomon dedicated the temple, how did God mock it? He filled it with his glory. No one could go in it. Now God, he is Zerubbabel, and remember the temple isn't anything like it's going to be, like it was in Solomon's day, and like it will be in the future. So, here they are, and in the process, there's no glory. There's no glory. There's no ark. No, no ark, just... just just a building, and they, it's a building, it's a, and remember the people that knew the, knew what it was in Solomon's day wept. Wow. But the people didn't know any better. It was a wonderful thing to have a temple and a building. It wasn't like the building that it could be. It wasn't like the tabernacle, but it was a great building, and they had it. But there's no glory there, no no, and, and, it isn't very long, Ezra, Nehemiah, Malachi. 
Malachi, by Malachi, last one, last prophet, everything's going downhill. So when you come to Malachi, uh, they're doing that, which is right in their own eyes. And it's going to go for 410, 415 years before John the Baptist comes along. And so there's, and there's no temple. Uh, the temple is there, but no temple. And it's abused temple, Antiochus Epiphanes and all of that. So when we come along and we move along, and here comes John the Baptist and, and the Herod's temple, and, uh, and they're going to go, and uh, are they honoring the temple, the temple, the temple? They're doing the same thing that they did back there in the days of Jeremiah. You're going in and out of the temple, in and out of the temple, and you want recognizing, you want understanding, that's God's place. Now, to get that part in a little, a quick, very quick way, over, if you would please, to Matthew. And in Matthew, if you would... And in Matthew chapter 21, just a note, our Lord, that here's Herod's temple, 46 years in the building, and here's, the, here's our Lord going in and out of it, in and out of the temple when he goes to Jerusalem, especially for the feast, and he goes in and out of the temple, and the temple is, and he, a couple of, three times he goes and cleanses the temple. It's, you've made my, it's a den of thieves. Interesting. As he looks at, as our Lord looked at the temple and saw what they were doing. Now, chapter 21, verse 13, as you know, and, and said unto them, it is written, my house shall be called the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. So as he's looking at the temple, what they do, he reminds them it's supposed to be a house of prayer. That's what it's supposed to be. It's my house, my father's house, you'll read in John 2. It's my father's house. Do you understand that? And you've made it. You've made it a place of merchandise to do all your business. Now that's what you said. Hang on to that. So here's the temple. Now, why is the temple going down in Jeremiah's day? Because they're doing it, same thing, and they haven't fixed it all the way because it never gets it never gets that way again. Wow. Now, having said that, keeping that in mind, if you would, uh, in all of that, remember now what we said to try to, I'm trying to get you to get the benefit of Go, remember, without turning the edge, Jeremiah and 29 and verse 12. Go, go and pray unto me. Go and pray, and I will hear you. All right? Now, we just read, it didn't work in Jeremiah's day. It ended up with the temple going. It didn't work at Babylon because there was no temple. Uh, then they built the temple at Zerubbabel and that, 536 and that, and they did that, they did that, and about there's no glory, and, uh, and it doesn't hang in there very long. Nope, nope, not very long. No, Malachi, Herod, Heaven's Temple, and Titus comes along in 70 AD and levels the temple again. 
Wow. And they have no temple today. They have no temple. So how do they pray? How do they pray? How do people pray? How do people pray? Pray, pray. I don't know how to pray. How do I pray? <laughs> so, how do believers, how are they supposed to pray? <laughs> so we pray. God is somewhere, and uh, we've got a problem over here in the hospital or some other place and some other thing, and God, we're looking to you somewhere to help us. Now, God, that, that's our normal system, and we, we continue it, continue it, foxhole prayers, whatever, and we continue it going. But God, is, that, is there something else that we're missing, maybe? So, over, if you would please, back over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 for a moment, and let me run by you some very things you know about to lock it in. That's what I want. I want to lock in. When you came to know the Lord as your Savior, if you did, and I trust you did, I hope you do, did, when you did, now, you received him, and when you received him, uh, on what terms did you receive him? The only way you can get saved is to count yourself utterly bankrupt, bankrupt. And you have no means in any, you have no righteousness, you have not one credential to offer to save you. Not one thing. You're totally bankrupt. Wow. Now, when you're totally bankrupt and, and the, and the, come along, and the deliverer comes along, the Lord comes along, and, and you recognize that he can give you life, and all you have is death, and his life is what he gives you. He doesn't give you your life. He gives you his life. He gives you, remember Colossians 3, Christ who is our life. Christ is our life. That's what he gives you. Now, so when you get, come to know that, then whose life do you have right now? I'm just, I know you know. I'm just trying to get you to go from inch inch because we don't recognize that practically. We don't recognize the life. We have a physical life, and when we think about it, we're saved, going to heaven. We don't think about the life, the breathing. You're breathing, and their heart's beating, and all of that, all of those things. But in the process, all that is is making you, you live. But really, really, what you have is a, is a relationship to God that's called life. And that is right now, if you're saved. True? Think of Colossians. Galatians. Yeah, Galatians. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the life I'm living, if you're saved, how many people that are saved are enjoying living life, his life? That's what they have, the life I have. They're going to go to bed, I may not wake up in the morning. But that isn't the issue. The issue, I'm able to have a relationship to God that's called eternal life. And that relationship to God is forever. Now, either I have that or I don't. 
God said, I, when I got saved, I had to get it. I just haven't woke up yet that I have it, practically. Do you understand that? And then you go from that, which is fumbled through. Then you go to the next thing which you're reading, 1 Corinthians 6. We shared it last time. What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? You are not your own. For, reason, verse 20, you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, uh, which are God's. You're not your own. Now we shared that. Uh, now how many believers practice under that? It isn't my body. I, they're my teeth. I try to take care of them. But no, they're God's teeth. They're God's teeth. That, that, it's God's body. He bought it. It's true, it's dying. And God never said he was saving your physical body. But he's using it. He's using it. Now God... Help me. God said, what do you want? They're my hands, aren't they? That's my mental brain up there to work, God. It's yours. That's right. Do you understand that? Then what I'm saying to you is so, it's necessary, the reality of each thing. The realization of that reality is something else, isn't it? It's something else out there. All the people going to church, bishops and everybody else, <laughs> popes and all, there they were. so where's life? Do you understand what happened? No, I don't. Don't you think people would be different if they understood? They go to work for Joe's sweatshop and do all the different things. But God has already done it. You can't be saved unless you're saved by Christ and you have his life. You either have it or you don't. It's his body and his brain or it isn't. Now, in the light of that, over if you would please. And so God, you made it a house of prayer and you looked at the temple in Jerusalem, and you said they have, they have made it a house of merchandise. But God, now God, they could walk out, and you could walk away from the temple and take your glory away, your presence away. The people are in and out, claiming it as their own. But you can't, we can't do that, God. Why can't we do it? Because we don't have a building we're walking into. And, and we are, you is, his temple. He doesn't walk away, it's his temple. What's his temple? Your body. It's his temple. He can't walk away from it. That's why the Spirit of God said, you can grieve him and everything else. You can't walk away. We don't realize this. We could preach a thousand messages and, and bring a thousand things. But all the time, all it is is something out here. Out here, it's a truth and you put your outline and get your thing. And I know all that a little bit. I'm just telling you, it doesn't go anywhere. 
Well, the proof of it is all you got to do is look at the world around you. Look at the so-called believers. There we are. Wow. Now, God, so here we are looking. God, and you do a wonderful work in our head and our heart, and the body is not ours, but yours. Over to First Thessalonians. We didn't get very far, and I know, I'm just trying to admonish you, though, of the realities that we never accept. We never receive them. We read them, could even message, message on them, but we don't do it. We don't believe it. We don't believe it. And we pay a price for it. You remember it says, you walk by your brain. No, you walk by faith, not by sight. Now, hang on. So here's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and here's all the, you want to know God's will for your life as a believer, and we have verse 16, rejoice evermore. It's a command in the present tense. And the same thing is true in the next place, verse 17, pray without ceasing. Don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Now, what does that mean? Well, we're going to have a prayer meeting. Well, don't stop praying. That's why sometimes you say, well, don't you, shouldn't you pray first? Not necessarily. If I understand, I'm in a constant relationship that I'm supposed to be exercising. What am I going to do that's different? I'm not going to do anything different. It's the same thing I'm doing. Now, so, God, pray without ceasing. So, as a, as a believer, we're to pray without stopping. And you know, without going Romans 12 and all of that, con, con, uh, continuing in prayer, uh, in, in, uh, in continuing in prayer uh, without stopping, Romans 12, 12. Uh, don't stop. Continuing in prayer. Now, the easiest way to remember that, you say, but that, I got, uh, don't stop praying. What are we doing in our Sunday mornings? We've been looking at the Gospel of John in chapter 15. And we shared a very, God said, if you don't understand abiding, you're not going to go anywhere. Without me, you can do what? Nothing. So if you don't understand abiding, you're not going to go anywhere. I don't care who you are and if you've been to school for 5,000 years, whatever. Doesn't make any difference. You have the branch has to abide in the vine. And when the branch is abiding, what is it doing? It's resting. When does the branch stop abiding? When does it stop? It doesn't. When does it cease to have all the supply of the vine, of the tree? It's continuing, going. It never stops. It's a relationship. Pray without ceasing. Stay attached. Stay in your relationship. Exercise the relationship. How are you going to enjoy it if you don't do it? Enjoy what? Well, it's my body, he said. It's mine. And you want to look for me, I'm going to do it. So what, what do I got to do to work at it? Nothing. Is that all right? <laughs> Nothing. The flesh shall what? Shall not what? 
glory in my presence. So, so I'm, I gotta no, you know, no gotta, no gotta, gotta. You gotta do it. You gotta look to God, and God will help you. And just relax. And the more you relax, the more you trust. The more you trust, the more you go, and and you're just able to. But you gotta understand, God meant what He said when He bought you and saved you. He saved you, and He is your life, and not you. So the life you now live, you live his life. And by the way, he bought you. You're his temple. You're his house. Now either you let him live in it comfortably or you don't. And that's why it will say in Ephesians 4 and all of that, you grieve the Spirit of God. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God just leaves. But it isn't true anymore. God saves the person and saves them. And, he, and you can grieve him. By that I mean, you quench his, here, you're right here. Well, why not? First uh, Thessalonians. First Thessalonians chapter 5, sliding down to verse 19. Quench not. Don't, don't try to put out God's wonderful working in your life. Don't quench it. Don't shoot the fire extinguisher on it. Let God do his work. And God will do it. And that's the command. Don't do it. And we do it. And people want it. They, they want, you know, all kinds of things. But it doesn't happen. And, and people can do and be. And depending on their background and their history and all of that, I understand. But still, when God said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, he meant to believe. When he said, receive me as your Savior, he meant to receive him. Now, God, you're going to do all these wonderful things. Be instant in prayer, no matter what. Now, over, if you would please, to the book of Jude. Now, God, we need help. There's no question. Uh, It's a very simple thing for the vine and the branch to abide. It's a simple thing. But you want to go and how to do it. How am I going to do it? You can't do it. I can't do it without, without him. And God has made it possible, as you know, First Corinthians, John 15, 14, 15. The Spirit of God's wonderful ministry is to do it for us. So he helps us. That's the Spirit of God does. The air. You have air. You're breathing the air. And the air's in your lungs, and you do it without ceasing. You never quit breathing the air. And the air's in and out. What's the air doing? It's giving you physical life, what it's doing. And by the way, the air, when you breathe the air, and down into your lungs and all those little tentacles down there, hanging around all down, down inside there, you know, and they're all down there. They're shooting all the oxygen. All parts of every cell of your body gets oxygen and takes away all the bad stuff and brings it back up. Wow. Wow. So I not only, I'm in the middle of the air, I need the air, and the air's in the middle of me. And if the air isn't in the middle of me, I have no physical life. Unless the air is in the middle of me, then I'm in the middle of it. Isn't that an easy illustration? You're in the middle of God, and God is in the middle of you. No. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Now, having said that, so Jude, verse, the book of Jude, and look at uh, chapter, th- go to chapter 3, verse, uh, 
Verse 3, Jude 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith, the body of truth, to be believed, which was once delivered unto the saints. And, and Jude, what are you saying? We're in danger. We're not believing what God said. Now, help me some more, God. And he does. Jude, verse 20. 20. But, be, but, ye, but ye beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, the body of truth to be believed, praying, aha, uh -huh, how? In the Holy Ghost and the Spirit of God. Well, thank you, God, to help us. So that I'm breathing the air, you're breathing the air, and we're exercising our, our, our physical existence. And God, we're looking to you and trusting you, abiding, exercising our spiritual existence with God. Now, and it's praying in the Holy Ghost. Now, now God, so here's your prayer. What are we going to pray? Over to Romans 8. Romans in chapter 8, and picking up, if I may, and in verse, oh, you know it, verse 26, 8 and 26, in the light of the context. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, our weaknesses, our faults and failures, for... We know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself, itself, maketh, him, maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So the Spirit of God's ministry, praying in the Holy Ghost, what am I doing? I'm abiding. Hang on to abiding. I'm looking for um, relationship. Where am I getting, where does the branch get its power and its life? From the vine. Gets it from the vine. So as long as it attached, the vine, is, the vine is producing the life. God, what are you doing? I'm producing life for you. The Spirit of God's ministry, God the Holy Spirit, that's His ministry, to make everything I did on Calvary's cross real. So the Spirit of God coming. God, here we are, breathing the air, using that. Here we are. Now God... And the Spirit of God, verse 27, He that searcheth the hearts, God, knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And I'm going back to verse 26. We don't know what we should pray for as we ought. Now, we can see things and understand things and look to God for things, but we don't understand them all, and we don't know how to work them out. And what you think should work one way isn't true. There's another way. We, we, don't, we, didn't, we couldn't even conceive of it. So God, what are you doing? If I'm letting God, Spirit of God, going to pray, vine, branch, and the Spirit of God's going to what? I, I'm, I'm just abiding, abiding, and I'm abiding, and then what? Well, I'm abiding, and what's happening? The Spirit of God is outworking what? God's will for my life. That's what he's doing. I don't know what, to, i got to go to a parking, I do this to work, homeschool, play, what we have to do, and we do it as best we understand it. 
as much as we understand it, and we go do it. We do it. God, but, but in doing it all, we're looking to God to our work, all these wonderful things that God has in mind. I don't know them. I have no idea five hours from now. God does. So we, we just keep breathing the air physically and trusting God spiritually, and we go along and do everything we're supposed to do as much as we understand it, and we do what we do. And God's right there. Mm-hmm. And the Spirit of God is, is, is looking to outwork what? God's will. You don't know God's will. God knows his will. He knows you to rejoice in the Lord always and pray without ceasing and giving thanks and everything. Quench not the Spirit of God. All of these are true, but all the rest of it, our Lord, you are a great example for us. And what did the Lord do? Well, the Lord, what he, he, remember, you have to turn there, John chapter 8, 28 and 29. What do we know? The Lord Jesus Christ did nothing of himself, he said. I trust God in everything. And by the way, as I trust God in everything, I'm able to do everything. And by the way, verse 29, my father is pleased. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I please my father. Why? I'm letting my father do the work. I understand. And he did what everything he was supposed to do. And he did it. Abiding. What's what he did? Abiding in the Father. In a Father's love. That's what he did. And so God, what are we doing? We're learning to abide. After all, we're the temple. To house you. For what? For your will. Our Lord, going back to him for a moment. Our Lord, did you, what did you do? You had God's wonderful will to our work. That's right. And even when it was hard sometime, what you had to face, oh, so hard, Hebrews 12. But, Luke, Matthew 26, in the garden, not my will, but what? Your will be done. I hate this, but I got to do it. It's your will. So, God, I'm going to drink this cup, and I'm going to take it. That's what I'm going to do. Uh-huh, that's what I'm going to do. Wow. Now, God, and here we are looking, and you're going to go, and you're going to do that. So, we're looking to God. And when you do that, do you understand the difference in, in if, if you do the normal system, which people do? Well, I'm going to pray. Everyone have prayer requests, and we have prayer requests. Uh, pray, pray for this, and we do that. And, and we pray, and, and we try to think, what do we want? It, how do we want it to work out, right? How do we want it to go? All right, what do you want? Well, I want this, and you want that. So each one of us wants something different in it, about it, maybe. So in the process, we pray, and we do that. And then, then, if it doesn't happen, are you encouraged? It didn't happen. And then you pray again. And it didn't happen. Are you encouraged? But when you're looking to God, you're letting God, you understand God's doing, and you're trusting him. And so you don't get hung up with disappointment, discouragement, depression, and all the other words. Because you're not looking to you. You're looking to God to work it out. No. 
Therefore, therefore, God, how's that going to be? Well, well, our time. Over, if you would, please, Philippians. And let me just remind you and myself, Philippians, the God of all the different things. And Philippians, and picking up, please, oh, in verse 4, as you would guess. Philippians 4, 6. So the Spirit of God, oh, and by the way, by the way, before I do that, before I, do, before I read that, remember the Spirit of God is going to work God's will, God's will for your life. You're supposed to be abiding, abiding, branch, and the vine, the vine just keep doing everything. Now, one other thing, over to Galatians. In Galatians chapter 4, and you will notice, please, and reminded, you know it, Galatians 4 and verse 5, to redeem them that were under the law, that purpose we might receive the adoption of sons, placed as sons in the Son, verse 6, and because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, in present tense, what? Father, Abba, Father, Father, Father. Now, he doesn't quit. He doesn't quit. We're to pray in the Holy Ghost. What's he doing? His ministry is to help you know your relationship and exercise it. How, what is the relationship? God saved you. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, come, no man cometh unto the Father but by me. So where did you get me, Lord? You brought me to the Father. That's right, I'm abiding. So as I abide, you're going to do what? The Spirit of God's wonderful ministry is to what? Is to go and do His work in a most awesome way. And we say, and we're able, and He never quits. I want you never, 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 never to, don't even stop. You have a relationship to God the Father in Christ Jesus, or you're not saved. And exercise that to what? He's your father. What do I need to know? My father as a son. My father. And I don't forget it. I don't want to forget it. I, that's what, where am I, what am I doing? I'm trusting God to take me, work, home, school, play, whatever I'm doing, to help me to do it. And he's there to do it. That's his ministry to do it. It isn't my ministry to make him do it. He just wants to do it. And I have to just what? Trust him. Abide. Abide. That's what you do. And therefore, chapter 4 of Philippians, i got to quit with that. And we're told, be careful. Don't worry. Stop worrying literally. Stop worrying, being anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. You're being specific so you don't worry about things. You give them to God. With thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, don't play tennis with God. Don't go back and forth. God, I'm looking to you to take care of it. Take care of it. 
And with thanksgiving uh, for your requests, let them be known unto God. And when you're doing that, all the while you're doing resting in God, abiding, not worrying, being thankful, all the while, verse 7, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And God's going to go and make up the difference. God said, I'll take care of it. So you just do it. And God, I didn't know that would happen. And you're looking. And God quiets the heart. Quiets the heart. And you don't panic. Quiet the heart. And you go. And you go. And you just go and move along. Wow. Now, God, that's an awesome thing. And the peace of God, which I don't understand it. If you're going to sit there, I don't understand him. I don't understand God. You, when do you expect to? <laughs> we just read in the beginning. <laughs> Every knee shall bow to the Lord. And in heaven, in heaven, they, they are overwhelmed in heaven with God. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's pretty good myself. <laughs> I do. And wow. So we get all hung up because we don't believe. We talk about it. We can quote it. Come on. You can quote it and take it apart, exegete it, whatever you want to do. But if you don't believe it, it doesn't come real. What good's it to you? That's good. Pray. Pray without ceasing. Now go walk out the door. How long are you going to think you're going to practice that? You probably learned, you probably dropped it after I just said it. Because you can't pray without ceasing. You can't even do it. Well, so, so what? Your relation, not you guys, but the relationship doesn't become very valid, does it? So we just become normal, typical, typical Protestants, as opposed to Catholics, communists, and cultists. And we become automatic people. We go to church and we do it. So being faithful and with it. But hey, <laughs> I hope it's more than that. It better be more than that. Yes, sir. It better be more than that. And it is. <laughs> we just have to believe. God already said it is. Not it's going to be. It is. You're his temple now. If you're saved. Yeah, aren't you?